Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Welcome. I'm so excited that you're with us here at Ivy Church today. If you were here last week, we kicked off a whole new series and we're going to get into it today. We've been looking at what it is to be a supernatural follower of Jesus, which is really what a disciple of Jesus Christ is meant to be. Um, We're going to recap a little bit from last week. If you missed it, I encourage you to, to watch that one. But we talked about from Romans chapter 12 that there's five, five relationships that help us to discern whether I'm living as a supernatural follower of Jesus, as a disciple or not. And they all begin with S and they come straight out of Romans 12 and we're going to break them down over the next uh, six weeks. We're going to be looking at, in total, all these different uh, things together. The first one is, is uh, from Romans 12 is that, how am I supposed to relate to, to God? And the answer there is, is surrender. I surrender myself to God. We looked at that um, a little bit last week. We're going to look at it more today. Uh, What's my relationship like to be with the world? Well, he says we are to separate ourselves from the world and its values. That's this verse in verse 2 when it says, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then how am I to think about myself? Well, he says, have a sober self-assessment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Um, but at the same time, you've got gifts that God's got for you and he wants you to use them. How do I uh, relate to, what do I think about my relationships in the church? Well, number four is I serve. I serve in love. That's what a disciple does. And then finally, number five, the last one, a bunch of fives. What do I do if somebody comes at me in some way uh, to attack me or lie about me? Uh, in the world, it could even be in the church. Somebody comes and, and um, you know, says things about me that aren't true, opposes me, even though I've done nothing wrong. What do I do about that? Well, that might be my natural response, but we can have a supernatural response, which is to reach up to God, to receive what he needs to help us and to leave the vengeance to him, it says. And then we have a supernatural, I'm doing it like a power grab, supernatural response to evil, which is not to respond in the same way as a natural person would, because now I'm a supernatural follower of Jesus. And Jesus said that he wants us to follow him. That's what he said to people over and over throughout the Gospels. He told them and showed them as they followed him that he is the Son of God. He said to them, come and follow me. And they did. They left their boats and their businesses and their brothers and sisters and their tax collecting booths. You read all these stories of people like Peter who said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry you've had to do that. He said, no, great, good trade, wise decision. Nobody who seems to leave or lose anything for my sake, even their own life will ultimately have any cause to regret it. You're going to get it all back and much more besides. So what does God want from you and me these days? You're going to say, surely it's not that radical, is is it, as it was then? Wasn't, Wasn't it just those people in the Bible who had to follow like that? These days, 
don't we just get to live however we want and, and maybe we can tag a little religion on or some church friends, if we like that kind of thing, you know, if we enjoy a sing song in church, you know, if we like the music and we call that our worship and, and meanwhile we ask God to bless what we do, whatever we want to do. That's what Christianity has often been made into. You know, I know it really is possible to live a compartmentalised life like that where even if you'd say I want Jesus to be my saviour, he's a long, long way from being Lord because I'm still in charge. And how he says I'm to do life is a long, long way from how I'm actually doing it with regard to these really practical issues like priorities and relationships and choices of how I spend money and time. Taking an approach to what he says that's more like going to the buffet and picking out the bits I like and ooh, leaving that bit alone, I don't, I don't like that part. That's not what God wants for any of us. So that's not what Jesus offered us when he invites us to come and follow him. That compartmentalised, compromised, half-hearted, powerless, pointless, joyless, miserable life has never, ever been God's intention for you or for me. You know what God wants from you? He wants it all. He wants all of you and all of me. And that's what we read here in Romans 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What that says is the only way we get all God has for us is when we give God what he wants from us. God wants to have the same place in your heart and mind that he possesses in the universe. Number one, Jesus gave everything for me and he still has more to give me. But the only way I can ever receive is when I give back all of me to him. God wants me to surrender all I am, making him number one. The good, the bad and the ugly, I surrender it to him so he can transform it all. The only way I can live with true purpose and a mission for him is when I live in submission to him. God wants it all and all that I have, all of me and all that I have in submission to him. He'll never force it never force anything because it's love but he says in view of his mercies when I realise what he's done for me all he's given for me when I see when I realise it it's just the right thing to do it says in some translations of that verse when you get it like that it's reasonable for me to surrender like that that's what really worship's about surrender but what keeps us from doing that on my last trip to the Middle East I heard a pastor in that tough region of the world really hard to be a Christian there say if you give yourself to the world, you receive nothing you can keep. But if you give yourself to Christ, you gain everything you cannot lose. That so struck me. It's absolutely in line with the way Jesus taught. Like, it actually is really the most reasonable, smart thing to do to live 100% all in for him. Like, that surrender isn't even a sacrifice, it's just smart. And today is our First Fruit Sunday. We have these envelopes and ways to give where those of us who want to here give a gift to the Lord into his work here at Ivy over and above anything else you might ordinarily give. It's an extraordinary gift if you like and over the years those gifts have often by the time they've come in just totally blown my mind because of how incredibly generous faithful people have been. We've had hundreds of thousands of pounds over the years. We've been able to do extraordinary things that we could never have budgeted for happen. And we could do it. We could help with that money. 
that came in because there were opportunities for us always to start something new, like a new ministry or bless some urgent need that we hadn't foreseen for ourselves. Or many times we've helped other churches or other ministries because we want to be as generous with what goes out as you are when it comes in. It's the kind of thing that when that happens, it stuns the world to hear about it and to see what you've given and what we've done with that money. Because I know you're living in the same world as I have been through recently and and they are and at times finances are tight but when in the face of that we just say you know what I'm going to trust God I'm going to give big and we're going to do it extravagantly joyfully and generously anyway we're proving to the world our faith is real and we're putting God first no matter what see Jesus said living that way is actually not foolish at all it's really shrewd because it shows you've got your priorities right because you'll never regret that investment into a heavenly bank account that you can never lose, no matter how much you might gain or lose in this life. And one day we'll lose it all anyway, because as they say, there's no pockets in a funeral shroud. Or as I once heard my friend Jay John say, do your giving while you're living, so you'll be knowing where it's going. That's the heart behind this. And this one day Jesus told a really short story one day to illustrate it. Matthew 13, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Let me explain the story. This this lucky guy, he's not even looking for it. One day, he's not working to get it. He's not like one of those detectorists going around. He just stumbles across these riches hidden out in some scrubby field somewhere. You see, in those days, people would bury their gold because they didn't have banks. And maybe they'd die though and their relatives wouldn't know and years later the treasure's still there in the ground. And this guy's walking along and oh, bumps his toe. What's that? Hang on. Oh, hello. But he can't just take the treasure. That would be stealing. Instead, he sells his house and his animals and everything else to buy that whole field. So everything in the field now belongs to him. That scrubby old bit of land full of weeds, people are going to say, why is he so foolish? Do you pity that man? Well, it says... He was delirious with joy to do this. Nobody was making him. You might think, is he a bit daft to sell what he's got to get that field? That's what people think when they see it. Does anybody feel sorry for him? He had to sell his donkey. Well, no, because he knows what nobody else does about that field, doesn't he? He's got his priorities right. You know, people might think, why is he giving up all of that for that? Till one day they realise he's not giving up anything. It's a really smart move. And the next line in my Bible, next short story Jesus tells when he wants us to to help us to see that full surrender, all in living for him, is always the best decision. It just carries on, next story says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value or greatest value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's very similar, isn't it, this parable? It's known as the parable the pearl of great price. It's a similar story, but this this merchant isn't lucky, he's an expert. He's seeking what's the very best. He doesn't just stumble across it, but in the same way, he seems to lose everything he has, when in fact he's calculating the risk against the reward and realises he's going to gain everything, so much more. And he's actually richer now than he was before. So what does Jesus want us to see here? It's the parable as 
you know, we need to think about the story of the, te- of the treasure and the pearl. They're meant to help us see what life's really like and how the kingdom of God works. In both stories, we seem to see a picture of reckless sacrifice and wild abandonment, seeming loss, in order to get something in the end of far greater value. So, these are not stories of giving up or personal sacrifice. They're actually pictures of how you receive the pictures of greater reward. And yes, this has to apply today when we think about our own priorities and finances and what we're giving to and living for and what's important. First fruits is just a brilliant way to show, Lord, like you said, I'm not going to worry about money. I'm not going to worry about what I eat and what I drink and what I wear like those who don't know you. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. But it's even bigger, more important and better than that. Consider this. Now, this is a quote from Chip Ingram's book, True Spirituality, which is looking at what we're looking at. And he writes about this very subject and he comments on those stories and he says this, total surrender is the channel through which God's best and biggest blessings flow. He then goes on, instead of using the words total surrender to say commitment, because he says it's easier perhaps for us to get our our minds around the concept of than surrender. Often in our heads, the word surrender, it's all about losing. It's about what we give up. Sacrifice, missing out, renunciation. And actually, when we think a bit like that, that's what can hold us back from going all in because we focus on what we think we're going to miss. But that's actually not what it was like in these stories, was it, when you really think about them? You see, these people were motivated by joy and did a really clever, reasonable thing once you realise the true facts of the matter. Chip Ingram says that surrender or total commitment is when I come to realise what God has done for me, who he is and what he has prepared for me in this new life that I cannot see, I eagerly abandon anything and everything to obtain this fabulous, rich, rewarding, eternal life he's offering. You see, what a great quote. That's not renunciation, it's re-evaluation. And again, if you take the very long-term view, not just of the blessing God wants to bring into your life in this way, in this life. The fact is, as Jesus said it, if you try and keep your life, you'll lose it anyway. But if you give your life to me, he says, you'll gain it forever. So what do I mean when I say that word surrender or total commitment? Again, it's defined as aligning your motives and resources and priorities and goals to fulfil a specific mission to accomplish a specific task or to follow a specific person is really when I give all I have all my hopes and dreams and align myself with God's will and God's plans and just say it all belongs to you in past present and future everything let me read that again then Romans 12 verse 1 says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God This is your true and proper worship. He's telling us what worship really is. He's talking about our everyday lives, giving your life. Like in those days, you'd give an offering in a worship service, isn't it? They wouldn't usually give money. They'd take the money and they'd translate it into something else. Buying a dove if you were poor or a sheep if you were kind of middle class or a bull if you were really rich. And you take it and then the priest would somehow kill it and lay it out on the altar for you bit gross really they they had some sacrifices that said thank you to God other ones just would plain worship out of obedience others in some way meant to represent my sin and the blood was shed although they knew it would never actually wash away any sin 
because the priest and the offering were actually both imperfect. But you know, you had to go with your coins, your brass or your silver or gold to the money changers and buy something. You'd have to consider, and you would consider, hmm, consider what I lose and what I gain. And you put them side by side. And then I do that over Jesus. And I think, you know, before I knew Christ, before I knew his love and his forgiveness, I was so lost and lonely and stuck in my sins. I had no hope, no future hope for eternity and not much in the present. But when I stepped over the line of faith and met him, I found destiny and meaning. And I got heaven rolled in with it all. That changed everything. So now when I consider his mercies, See, the, the command then, the response, the invitation is offer what? Your bodies. It's your choice. What do you do with what gave you? It's up to you. What do you do with your body? You can offer your body. You can use it in so many ways. You can use your eyes and your hands, your feet. You can give your heart to whatever you choose. But you know what? You choose. And God says, here, the best choice you can make, the best thing that you can do is to be that living sacrifice. What's the difference? Well, of course, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was dead already. The priest cut its throat, tied it down, ready for the fire. But a living sacrifice can cry out, say, too hard, too much, too painful. A living sacrifice can choose and walk away in any direction, at any time that it wants to. What is it? What keeps us there? What's the motivation for full surrender? The mercy of God, in view of God's mercy. I think about my favorite parable, the prodigal son story, because I was that guy, total waster, ungrateful, lost, stinking in my sin. But then the father comes running God always meets us with what? Mercy. He gives us everything. We don't deserve anything except judgment. That's what we deserve. He meets us at the cross. He comes with mercy. He gives us amazing grace. There's a verse in the Bible that says, what do you have that God didn't give you? Just think about that. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Now I hear that and I say, well, hang on, look, my money, for instance, my money. I worked for it, I saved it, I earned it. Well, again, the Bible says it's God who gives you the ability to gain wealth. It says that in the book of Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament. God gives everything we have, not because we deserve it. It's his generosity, it's his mercy, it's his grace. Whether or not you give back to him anything today, God will give you what you don't deserve. It's never about giving to get. It's living in view of God's mercy. So when I consider that, I offer myself and I realise that surrender is never about what I'm going to lose. It's actually always a win. I once heard a preacher say, a little girl went one day and sat in the big brass offering plate that they used in that church. And somebody said to her, why are you sitting in that? And she said, well, the man was saying, Jesus wanted me to give my life to him. So she went and sat in the offering plate. Now, that's, I love that. Such a brilliant picture, isn't it? That little girl got it. I think sometimes we hear, give your life to Jesus. And people think, well, okay, 
I give him all the bad bits and he better make them better. I give him, give him all my sins so that he can forgive them and then I can get on and live life however I want to live. That's as, as far as it goes. We say a prayer, we tell people, oh yes, whenever it was, I gave my life to Jesus. But did you really? You can't say you're giving your life to Jesus, but you don't want to live your life for Jesus. You can't say you've given your life to Jesus, but we're still holding on to it. That's why he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his own cross daily and follow me. It's daily surrender. It's offering your body to him. Remember, give him your eyes. Say, Lord, I only want to look at what pleases you with these eyes. Give him your ears, your hands. I only want to do what pleases you, Lord, with my mouth. Just go through your body and one part at a time. It's a great thing to do, to pray and offer your body to him. Give it all to him. That's the first fruits offering you really want. First is you make him first in everything. And then you ask him from there, okay, what should I give to Ivy first fruits, Lord? In view of how merciful you've been to me, what would please you? That, the verse said, is your spiritual act of worship. It's a very spiritual act. The Apostle Paul also wrote to the church at Corinth and he bragged to them about the generosity of a group of people in another church that he knew. It was really to provoke them to give. He said he knew he didn't have to twist anybody's arm there to get them to give anything. He said, actually, they begged him to get involved. They didn't just give out of some leftovers. They gave, even though they were financially poor, he said this, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. How did they do that? Here's the secret. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. Just notice that. Think about it right at the end there. He tells us how they did it. Say it again. They, they sat in the offering plate. How did they give they surrendered. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, they gave their offering. So, as we get ready now to worship again, and there's this opportunity as part of that to you to come and give what matters most to God, which is yourself. And also, as part of that, to give to Ivy's First Fruits Offering 2024. Don't miss this. It's the reason... That little voice stops us. The reason we don't surrender, often the reason we don't surrender is really because we don't believe God is good. I don't mean necessarily mean we see God as angry and demanding and punishing and critical. That's, we know that's not true of our God. Just read the Bible. What I mean is, do we really believe the truth? Like Psalm 84 verse 11, which says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless? Now you might say, my walk isn't blameless. It is because you, you're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. And God says to you today, if you will walk uprightly with me, live fully for me, there's nothing I won't give you. I'll give you life. I'll give you 
that forever. He will be your light. He will be your sun, your shield of protection. He'll give you his grace. He'll meet your needs according to his riches. So your life becomes glorious. How do you get all of that? Surrender. You say, Lord, I give you all I am, all I have, gladly. Will you pray that with me today? People shrink back and they tend to think of losing out on so many things when they hear about this kind of surrender. But you can trust the real God because of all that he wants for you, your heavenly father. If you've, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is most important. I mean, you've given all of it, your sin and successes, your hopes and your dreams, disappointments, nightmares, hurts and habits and happiness, past, present and future. Do it now. That's all he wants, all of you. Think about his mercies. The blood shed on the cross as he gave his life to save yours, to wash your sins away and then thank him and say to him, pray to him out loud, Lord, I give you all I am, all I have, gladly. We're all going to pray that in a moment. And for others now, question, do you remember the day of your salvation? Did you ever say, can you remember saying, take it all, Lord. If you'll use me, I'll serve you. I will be your man. I'll be your woman. I will be your child. Do you remember? Do you remember when you did that? If not, you can do it again today. Will you say it again today? That's what he wants. Now, here's what happens. We end up living and serving the Lord sometimes. We can see how difficult it actually is. You said he could have it all. But then your wife says, where have you been? Been out of the worship night? Well, we needed you here. So you take back a little bit of surrender. It's possible to do that, isn't it? Or as you serve the church, people hurt you. It happens. Lord, can I take a little bit of that surrender back? Is it okay? Or in my finances, have you ever taken any of that full surrender back? I just want everybody to bow now and pray quietly and talk to God. Just start to talk to God and ask him where you are. Tell him, today is the day of full surrender. It's a choice, it's up to you. Is your life surrendered to God? Are there any things in your life the Holy Spirit is saying you need to surrender to God today so he can give all of himself and all that he has for you? Will you offer yourself? Step into the offering plate. If so, pray out loud with me if you mean that. Say this, Lord, I give you all I am, all I have, gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.